Welcome to my hometown, filled with murder, mysteries, the paranormal, and a fair share of hauntings. This is Local Legends. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Basically, how this podcast works is every Sunday I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories or just drop a line, you can email me at locallegendswithark at gmail.com and I'll share those emails on the podcast. As always, all the articles used in today's episode will be linked in the description should you want to check them out for yourself. All right, let's get into it. So today's story is one where we're going back in time again. We're going back to the year 1899. So this article we'll be talking about was published in the Brown County Democrat on August 4th, 1899. This article is titled A Curious Freak, which is why I had to share it with you because that title alone got me very interested and intrigued. You know, what could have been considered a curious freak in 1899? I'm sure you can probably think of several things. I mean, I know I can, but this story specifically is one of the odd, the unusual, and unnatural occurring phenomenon that I, at least, was not aware of. So let's get into it. Jefferson Special. George Sloan, a farmer living on the knobs in Monroe Township. Now, a knob, if you're not aware of what that word meant, because I didn't. I didn't know. You know, 1899 was a year in which... Language was a little different back then. They like to use a lot of words that we don't use in our vocabulary on a daily basis anymore. So a knob is basically at the end of something. And so when you're considering that with like a location, when they say knob, that means like George Sloan was living on the Brown County, Monroe County property line or county line, you know, where it's like technically he's in Monroe County, but he's so close to Brown County. He was at the end of it, end of Monroe County towards Brown County, if that makes sense. So he's right on that line. Brought to the city a snake four feet in length that is a curious freak of nature. It is hard to tell whether Sloan's catch could be called snakes or snake. It has two heads and two tails and is of two different species of snake. One head and one tail are those of a harmless black snake, while the other head and tail are of the variety known as a cow snake. If you're not familiar with a cow snake, a cow snake is in the family of a black snake, and it seems like a lot of people just use cow snake and black snake interchangeably because they're so closely related. Back from the head of the reptile, there is a growth of body about a foot long and an inch and a quarter in diameter. Then comes a single body somewhat larger than the forward part and about two feet long. This part belongs to the cow snake, and out of this grows the two tails, each about a foot long and the other to the black snake. The reptile is harmless. It was captured by Mr. Sloan in a novel way. He had been missing a newly hatched chicken and supposed rats were at fault. Wednesday morning, he heard a noise among his fowls and he ran to the chicken's house where he found the strange creature writhing on the floor and the chickens huddled in a state of terror. The two heads had gone after the same chicken and each mouth was clamped on either side of the chicken and neither mouth would let go. A battle royale was on for possession, and Mr. Sloan called his family to witness the affray. Up to this time, he had given no thought of capture, but on his son's suggestion, he procured a two-tinned hay fork and pinned the warring black snake-cow snake combination to the earth. This caused both heads to let go of the chicken, and the chicken, dead of course, was placed on the floor until a cage could be made for the snake. So that's the end of the article. 
I like the depiction of a warring snake and this poor farmer who just assumed that a normal pest, if you will, was at fault for his chickens disappearing when in fact it wasn't. It was a double-headed snake, a two-headed snake, something that would fit into a Greek mythology, you know? Like, it's just one of those creatures where you're like, excuse me, what? And apparently people at the time when this article came out just assumed that Mr. Sloan had, like, stitched two different snakes together so that he can make himself famous, you know? And he didn't. It's an actually natural occurring phenomenon, what he found with the snakes. Like, those snakes being of, you know, within the same family, but of two technically different breeds, but not really. They're so closely related, being connected in the way that they were, that is something that scientists research and scientists found and have a, I found a really in-depth scientific article that goes into and explaining what they think leads to that happening in snakes and how rare of an occurrence it is to find one in the wild. This article that I'm going to be sharing with you, the scientific journal, goes on to specifically reference Mr. Sloan and his finding of this two-headed snake in the wild. And so, Mr. Sloan, I'm really glad you listened to your son and you didn't kill the snake and dispose of it, but instead send it to researchers and scientists at the time because it really helped them understand, you know, what was going on. So, shout out to you, Mr. Sloan. I hope you lived a great life, a fulfilled life, and same with your son, and I'm glad that you listened to your son. The scientific paper I found is called Axial Bifurcation and Duplication in Snakes, Part 1, A Synopsis of Authentic and Anecdotal Cases by Von Wall. So Von had a very in-depth, as you can imagine, scientific paper that he wrote that detailed how many of these snakes are found, what they're called, uh, reasons that it could happen. It is just a very, very in-depth research study into this phenomenon, and it was really captivating and interesting, and I enjoyed reading it. And I'm going to link that article to the podcast, and if you like reading neoscientific papers, especially scientific papers that are really, really interesting and written really well, I would highly recommend reading this. It's quick, And you learn a lot. But I got some clippets I want to share with you, and we can just go through it together to kind of explain what happened. Like, what kind of snake is that kind of snake? Is this something that's normal? What happens? So let's get into it. According to the paper, axial bifurcation is a result of an abnormal developmental mutation. The condition is not genetically inherited. Which was interesting, because I don't know, I just assumed that it was a genetic thing that led to snakes having two heads, two tails, just conjoined in the middle. But it's not. Certain species of snakes are known to have multiple cases of axial bifurcation, owing partly to the common occurrence and widespread distribution of the species, but also to the propagation and captivity for the pet trade. Dysphalicism and dysphalic snakes born in captivity, whether alive or dead, are always noticed, whereas most wild-born dysphalics are never seen or recorded. This phenomenon, uh, like Mr. Sloan's snake that he found in his chicken coop, is called dysphalicism. That's the name of it. More than half of the known records, 57% of dysphalic snakes, occur within the U.S., which I found really interesting. So most of the, these cases of snakes like Mr. Sloan's snake, are within the U.S., with only 12% originating from Europe and 11% from Asia. Now, here you go. Are you ready for this fact? Indiana had a total of 15 dysphalic snakes recorded. That's, That's quite a bit. 
Indiana girl, you making you making them records. The dicephalic mutation rate in captive bred snakes seems to be approximately 10 times higher than that estimated for wild populations. So it is much more common to find a dicephalic snake in captivity than Mr. Sloan did in the wild. So not only did he find a phenomenon, he also found something that is extremely rare. The overwhelming majority of cases of axial bifurcation have the duplicated parts lateral to one another in the horizontal plane, that is, on the left and right side. However, several examples are known of of duplication in the vertical plane. This was just a little fun fact, but apparently Benjamin Franklin owned a dysphalic snake and helped scientists research and study dysphalicism in snakes. While the cause of dysphalicism is not known, a number of possible causes have been proposed. And all of these ones that we're going to get through of causes, I think, are extremely common sense. Like, it's like, okay, that would make sense. Okay, so number one is incomplete division of a single embryo, partial fusion of two embryos, abnormally low or high temperatures during incubation or gestation. That one is specifically used and kind of understood as to be the leading cause as to why it is so much more common to find dysphalicism in captive snakes versus wild snakes because snakes born into captivity, the person that's breeding them has complete control over their environment, such as the temperatures. Regeneration after an embryonic lesion, anoxia during embryonic development, Toxic effect of metabolic secretions during a prolonged sojourn in the oviduct. Inbreeding depression from small population gene pools, which is one that I thought might be a cause, and it is, so inbreeding. Hybridization, environmental pollution, chemical toxins in captivity, and exposure to radiation. So those are kind of like what scientists assume is the cause, and they could kind of find some traces of all of those different ones from the different snakes they've studied. Which I think all of those make sense. The majority of dysphalic individuals are either stillborn or if born alive, they survive only a few hours or days, even if they appear physically normal. Some starve to death in captivity because they are disinclined to physically be unable to swallow prey due to malformed mouths or missing esophaguses or cannot digest and assimilate food due to a blockage or malformation of the digestive tract. Many oviparous snakes are unable to open their eggshell and drown before they can. Often the breeder doesn't notice the egg is late in hatching until a day or two has passed, and by then it is too late and the embryo is dead. Sometimes, even when the egg is piped, the snake will fail to emerge. Only a very small percentage of snakes live to maturity, 3% based upon available data. Which is another interesting fact about Mr. Sloan, because the snake he found was 4 feet long, living its best life, extremely healthy, strong, and both mouths were capable of feeding themselves because both of the snake's mouths were attacking the chicken on separate sides of the chicken. They weren't even on the same side. They were independently attacking the chicken. So not only did Mr. Sloan find an extremely rare occurrence in nature of a snake, a malformed snake, he also found one that was extremely healthy. Very rarely is an adult dysphalic snake caught in the wild. Nearly all examples are found shortly after birth, although a few have survived for several months in the wild before being discovered in a dehydrated and emaciated condition. Von Wallach then goes on in his scientific paper to tell the story of George Sloan discovering the dysphalic snake. As we've learned, it is an extremely rare case, as the snake George found was in the wild. So this is what he said about George. He said, In a similar incident, George Sloan, an Indiana farmer living on the knobs in Monroe County, caught an adult black snake about 
about 1,200 millimeters long, in his chicken coop. He had been missing newborn chicks and suspected rats to be the culprit, so when he heard a ruckus in the coop on the morning of October 18th, 1899, he entered to find a large rat snake tussling with a chicken. And uh, Okay, so that's another thing. A rat snake, black snake, and cow snake are all just interchangeable terms for the same snake. It had two heads and two tails, and each head had attacked the chicken from opposite ends, neither one letting go. After pinning the snake to the floor with a pitchfork, the snake was captured. It was taken to Jeffersonville for viewing and study. So, shout out to you, George Sloan. I'm glad you didn't kill the snake. I'm glad you took it in for study because you helped Von Wallach and all the other scientists get some idea as to what this phenomenon in snakes is and what could possibly cause it. So, yeah, that's the story. It's a fun, quick, you know, easy, nice one. Next week, we're going to be going in a different direction, and I have an update, an official update, the Intimidation Amazon delivery driver trial in case. I, spoiler alert, it was upsetting, and I'm still processing it, and so if you want to join me next Sunday, we're going to be breaking it all down. I have a lot of historical events that are kind of related and tied that I'm going to also talk to you about in that episode. And I'm going to be going into depth into all of them in future episodes. And we're just going to break it down together and go through it together. So join me next week if you want to learn about those details. Otherwise, I hope you have a great day. Uh, Stay hydrated, stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Bye.